Section 4 of The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Ernest. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10 by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Night 993. When it was the nine hundred and ninety-third night, she pursued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the wazir said to the king, Methinks he is naught but an impostor, and tis the impostor who ruineth the house of the covetous, the king said, O wazir, I will prove him, and soon know if he be an impostor or a true man, and whether he be a rearling of fortune or not. The wazir asked, And how wilt thou prove him? And the king answered, I will send for him to the presence and entreat him with honor, and give him a jewel which I have. And he know it, and what its price, he is a man of worth and wealth. But an he know it not, he is an impostor and an upstart, and I will do him die by the foulest fashion of deaths. So he sent for Ma'araf, who came and saluted him. The king returned his salam, and seating him beside himself, said to him, Art thou the merchant Ma'araf? And said he, Yes. Quoth the king, The merchants declare that thou owest them sixty thousand ducats. Is this true? Yes, quoth he. Asked the king, Then why dost thou not give them their money? And he answered, Let them wait till my baggage come, and I will repay them twofold. And they wish for gold, they shall have gold. And should they wish for silver, they shall have silver. Or and they prefer for merchandise, I will give them merchandise. And to whom I owe a thousand, I will give two thousand in requital of that wherewith he hath veiled my face before the poor, for I have plenty. Then said the king, O merchant, take this and look, what is its kind and value? And he gave him a jewel, the bigness of a hazelnut, which he had bought for a thousand sequins, and not having its fellow, prized it highly. Ma'araf took it, and pressing it between his thumb and forefinger, break it, for it was brittle, and would not brook the squeeze. Quoth the king, Why hast thou broken the jewel? And Ma'araf laughed and said, O king of the age, this is no jewel, this is but a biddock of mineral worth a thousand dinars. Why dost thou style it a jewel? A jewel I call such as is worth threescore and ten thousand gold pieces, and this is called but a piece of stone. A jewel that is not of the bigness of a walnut hath no worth in my eyes, and I take no account thereof. How cometh it, then, that thou, who art king, stylest this thing a jewel, when tis but a bit of mineral worth a thousand dinars? But ye are excusable, for that ye are poor folk, and have not in your possession things of price. The king asked, O merchant, hast thou jewels such as those whereof thou speakest? And he answered, Plenty. Whereupon avarice overcame the king, and he said, Wilt thou give me real jewels? said Ma'araf. When my baggage train shall come, I will give thee no end of jewels, and all that thou canst desire I have in plenty, and will give thee without price. At this the king rejoiced, and said to the traders, Wend your ways, and have patience with him till his baggage arrive. When do ye come to me, and receive your monies from me? So they fared forth, and the king turned to his wazir, and said to him, Pay court to merchant Ma'aruf, and take and give with him in talk, and bespeak him of my daughter, Princess Dunya, that he may wed her, and so regain these riches he hath. 
said the wazir o king of the age this man's fashion misliketh me and methinks he is an impostor and a liar so leave this whereof thou speakest lest thou lose thy daughter for naught now this minister had sued the king aforetime to give him his daughter to wife and he was willing to do so but when she heard of it she consented not to marry him accordingly the king said to him o traitor thou desirest no good for me because in past time thou soughtest my daughter in wedlock but she would none of thee so now thou wouldst cut off the way of her marriage and wouldst have the princess lie fallow that thou mayst take her but hear from me one word thou hast no concern in this matter how can he be an impostor and a liar seeing that he knew the price of the jewel even that for which i bought it and break it because it pleased him not he hath jewels in plenty and when he goeth in to my daughter and seeth her to be beautiful she will captivate his reason and he will love her and give her jewels in things of price but as for thee thou wouldst forbid my daughter and myself these good things so the minister was silent for fear of the king's anger and said to himself set the curs on the cattle then with a show of friendly bias he betook himself to maaruf and said to him his highness the king loveth thee and hath a daughter a winsome lady and a lovesome to whom he is minded to marry thee what sayest thou said he no harm in that but let him wait till my baggage come for marriage settlements on king's daughters are large and their rank demandeth that they be not endowed save with a dowry befitting their degree at this present i have no money with me till the coming of my baggage for i have wealth in plenty and needs must i make her marriage portion five thousand purses then i shall need a thousand purses to distribute amongst the poor and needy on my wedding night and other thousand to give to those who walk in the bridal procession and yet other thousand wherewith to provide provant for the troops and others and i shall want an hundred jewels to give to the princess on the wedding morning and other hundred gems to distribute among the slave girls and eunuchs for i must give each of them a jewel in honor of the bride and i need wherewithal to clothe a thousand naked paupers and alms to needs must be given all this cannot be done till my baggage come but i have plenty and once it is here i shall make no account of all this outlay the wazir returned to the king and told him what maaruf said whereupon quoth he since this is his wish how canst thou style him impostor and liar replied the minister and i cease not to say this but the king chid him angrily and threatened him saying by the life of my head and thou seest not this talk i will slay thee go back to him and fetch him to me and i will manage matters with him myself so the wazir returned to maaruf and said to him come and speak with the king i hear and i obey said maaruf and went in to the king who said to him thou shalt not put me off with these excuses for my treasury is full so take the keys and spend all thou needest and give what thou wilt and clothe the poor and do thy desire and have no care for the girl and the handmaids when the baggage shall come do what thou wilt with thy wife by way of generosity and we will have patience with thee anent the marriage portion till then for there is no manner of difference betwixt me and thee none at all then he sent for the sheikh al-islam and bade him write out the marriage contract between his daughter and merchant maaruf and he did so after which the king gave the signal for beginning the wedding festivities and bade decorate the city 
The kettle drums beat, and the tables were spread with meats of all kinds, and there came performers who paraded their tricks. Merchant Ma'aruf sat upon a throne in a parlor, and the players and gymnasts and effeminates and dancing men of wondrous movements and posture makers of marvelous cunning came before him, whilst he called out to the treasurer and said to him, Bring gold and silver. So he brought gold and silver, and Ma'aruf went round among the spectators and largest each performer by the handful, and he gave alms to the poor and needy and clothes to the naked, and it was a clamorous festival and a right merry. The treasurer could not bring money fast enough from the treasury, and the wazir's heart was like to burst for rage, but he dared not say a word, whilst merchant Ali marveled at this waste of wealth, and said to merchant Ma'aruf, Allah and the hallows visit this upon thy headsides. Doth it not suffice thee to squander the trader's money, but thou must squander that of the king to boot? Replied Ma'aruf, Tis none of thy concern. When as my baggage shall come, I will requite the king manifold. And he went on lavishing money, and saying in himself, A burning plague. What will happen will happen, and there is no flying from that which is foreordained. The festivities ceased not for the space of forty days, and on the one and fortieth day they made the bride's cortege, and all the emirs and troops walked before her. When they brought her in before Ma'aruf, he began scattering gold on the people's heads, and they made her a mighty fine procession, whilst Ma'aruf expended in her honor vast sums of money. Then they brought him in to Princess Dunya, and he sat down on the high divan, after which they let fall the curtains and shut the doors and withdrew, leaving him alone with his bride. Whereupon he smote hand upon hand and sat a while sorrowful and saying, There is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah the glorious, the great. Quoth the princess, O my lord, Allah preserve thee. What aileth thee that thou art troubled? Quoth he, And how should I be other than troubled, seeing that thy father hath embarrassed me and done with me a deed which is like the burning of green corn? She asked, And what hath my father done with thee? Tell me. And he answered, He hath brought me in to thee before the coming of my baggage, and I want at very least an hundred jewels to distribute among thy handmaids, to each a jewel, so she might rejoice therein, and say, My lord gave me a jewel on the night of his going in to my lady. This good deed would I have done in honor of thy station, and for the increase of thy dignity, and I have no need to stint myself in lavishing jewels, for I have of them great plenty. Rejoined she, Be not concerned for that. As for me, trouble not thyself about me, for I will have patience with thee till thy baggage shall come. And as for my women, have no care for them. Rise, doff thy clothes, and take thy pleasure, and when the baggage cometh we shall get the jewels and the rest. So he arose, and putting off his clothes, sat down on the bed, and sought liesse, and they fell to toying with each other. He laid his hand on her knee, and she sat down in his lap, and thrust her lip like a tit-bit of meat into his mouth, and that hour was such as maketh a man to forget his father and his mother. So he clasped her in his arms, and strained her fast to his breast, and sucked her lip, till the honeydew ran out into his mouth, and he laid his hand under her left armpit, whereupon his vitals and her vitals yearned for coition. Then he clapped her between the breasts, and his hand slipped down between her thighs, and she girded him with her legs, whereupon he made of the two parts proof amain, and crying out, O sire of the chin-vales twain, applied the priming, and kindled the match, and set it to the touch-hole, and gave fire, and breached the citadel in its four corners, 
so there befell the mystery concerning which there is no inquiry and she cried the cry that needs must be cried and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say end of section four recording by mark ernest